0: It's the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, and we are live. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello, good afternoon, and welcome back to another live edition of the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast brought to you by 90min. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be continuing our reaction to that crazy game that took place at the London Stadium yesterday. West Ham United 3, Arsenal 3 in the end, despite the Gunners going down by three goals to nil inside half an hour. So we've got lots and lots uh, to discuss off the back of that one. We'll be touching a little bit on Mikel Arteta's post-match press conference. uh, But I want to focus really on one player in particular. And that player is the Norwegian wizard, Martin Odegaard, because I've been so, so impressed with him since he's come to the football club. I think he's been sensational. I think he's been a breath of fresh air. Um, You know, we obviously are delighted to see him performing at such a high level. The worry is, of course, that with each great performance that Martin Odegaard puts in, you start to wonder how high that asking price that Real Madrid set come the summer is going to be. Now, I still am quietly confident that a deal can be done. And I'm still quietly confident based on the fact that Zinedine Zidane just doesn't fancy him. And um, I think that Real Madrid have got other transfer targets. We hear a lot about the whole Kylian Mbappe link. We know that uh, Kylian Mbappe is is apparently going to be offered a new contract uh, by Paris Saint-Germain. But we also know that Kylian Mbappe is probably quite desperate to go and test himself and prove himself in a stronger league. So I wouldn't rule out Real Madrid signing Kylian Mbappe this summer. And listen, if they're going to sign Kylian Mbappe, given the um, given the, the financial situation they currently find themselves in, then, you know, they're going to need to get all the money they can get. And I've talked about it in the past. I felt around 30, 35 million would probably do it for Martin Erdegaard, and I'm I'm sure that as I keep saying, with every good performance, that price will be creeping higher and higher up. But you know, the guy is just has just been a, an absolute revelation, particularly in the last few weeks. You know, where he's really settled in, and you can see, you know the the the, the Olympiakos game, the second leg, where he didn't play and he came on as a substitute. I think was the clearest indication yet that without him, we're just nowhere near the same side particularly in a creative sense I think I, I'm gonna I, I'm gonna park the Odegaard talk for a minute because I want to go over to the live comments I want to see what you guys are saying on Odegaard but I also want to just quickly touch on Mikel Arteta's uh, post-match press conference and I'm going to focus or, or I'm going to touch on all of it but I'll circle back round to the Odegaard bit and then I'm going to bring up some tactical bits Uh, on the screen that I want to share with you guys that are watching on the video. Don't worry if you're listening via the audio. uh, I will try and make it as clear as possible. Big hello to everybody in the live chat at the moment because there are lots of you there. Big hello to Zander, to Femi, to Graham, to Pratik, to Said, to Alfonso, uh, to Aaron who says uh, incredible insights and analysis and tireless work on creating content week in, week out. Big fan of the channel from sunny Dubai. Aaron, thank you so much, mate, for your very, very kind words. And um, it's sunny here in London today as well. Unfortunately, though, as you can see by the fact I've, I've had to throw my hoodie on top, it's not very warm. Uh, maybe it's a little bit better if you're sitting in the sun, but yeah, um, <laughs> still a long way to go before we can call it sunny London. But big hello to you, Aaron. Um, let's see uh, what you guys are saying on the whole Odegaard thing and, and Pratik says I really think we have a chance of getting him. Real Madrid are not in, op- in an optimum financial position as other Spanish clubs, and if we offer the right money, it's a real possibility that they accept. Xander says, uh, should Arsenal do a similar deal that the Sp- that Spurs done with Reguilón and add a buyback clause? Listen, if it is, if it will help us get the deal over the line, then I wouldn't be. Dead against it. I'd prefer that we didn't have one because you look at somebody like Sergio Reguion, and listen for what it's worth. I don't think Real Madrid would ever act would ever exercise that buyback clause on Sergio Reguion, but I I wouldn't like to have it there, um, if I'm honest. But if it's a last resort and it's the only way we're going to get a Martin Erdogan deal over the line, then of course I'd consider it. Um, Elliot says that literally he's been brilliant since he came in. The intelligence and know how where his teammates are always two or three steps ahead. He's the real MO10, <laughs> except he wears 11. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> get what you mean. Uh, what else have we got here in terms of your comments? Uh, big hello to Vinesh. Big hello um, to Jashar as well. Um, big hello to Charles. Vinish uh, says, Harry, can you please smoke both the Spurs fans on today's Nightingale gas tank episode? Don't forget, yeah, the gas tank is back uh, today. We're going live at 4.10 p.m., so I'll be part of the panel uh, on there today. So looking forward uh, to uh, to discussing uh, the game, of course. Uh, Marble Halls TV says he has what it takes to cut it in the PL. I'm fearful that Zizou might keep him, especially as Modric is old now. Um Feridun says, I remember some Arsenal fans were suggesting the number 10 position is dead. That's been a really strange narrative, not just from Arsenal fans, though, uh, Feridun. I've seen a lot of people uh, saying that over the last 12, 18 months or so, probably since Liverpool became this dominant force. You know, when Liverpool went on and dominated the Premier League last season, everybody was going, oh, but they don't play with a number 10 And therefore, the number 10 position is dead. No, actually, what Martin Odegaard has shown is the the number 10 position is very much still alive. But on top of that, you know, it's probably changed a little bit. It's probably adapted a little bit. You're probably looking at someone now who isn't just a luxury player, someone who will uh, press and will harry and will work hard. And that is exactly what Martin Odegaard does in that position. And that's why he's so useful. And he is the type of number 10 that Mikel Arteta, um, Mikel Arteta uh, clearly wanted. He didn't trust in Mesut Ozil to give him um, the physical side of the game. He didn't trust in Mesut Ozil's attitude. Um, And I was talking to Graham Brooks um, in a WhatsApp group that we're on. You'll all know Graham. Um, Returning to the same old Arsenal tonight, by the way, Graham is back. So make sure you tune into the same old Arsenal tonight at 7pm UK time. Uh, Graham will be back joining us. But he basically summed it up in a nutshell and actually inspired a piece that I wrote today, which should be going out on 90min.com at some point this afternoon uh, around the fact that Martin Odegaard is actually everything that Mikel Arteta wanted Mesut Ozil to be. But for a number of reasons, that, that didn't come to fruition. Um, so I highlight the differences between the two and I highlight the similarities between the two because there are some. Uh, so that was a, an interesting piece to do. So check that out on 90min.com a little bit later on. But yeah, uh, Graham Brooks inspired me to write that one. And um, he will be back on the same old Arsenal podcast tonight. So make sure you check it out. Head over to the channel and subscribe to it if you haven't already. Um, Vinesh says, Harry, do you th- don't you think Martin will have the final say? I think that Martin himself will have a massive part to play in this. Yes, I think that if he makes it very, very clear... Um, and he's willing to sign for Arsenal permanently, then I think that Real Madrid will will see that as another reason not to keep him. I think that Real Madrid uh, will, um, I'm not going to say bow down to his demands, but I think his influence on this deal uh, could be big and significant. And it's not just a case of, of Real Madrid. I think that if they've got a player on their hands who clearly doesn't want to be there, um, and if he's got a good agent and they can find a way of... Um, of, of convincing Real Madrid to play ball with Arsenal, then yeah, of course he can have a massive say. I think it will play a part. I think the fact that he probably wants to get out of Real Madrid and probably wants to end what's been a little bit of a nightmare. Maybe nightmare is the wrong word because playing for Real Madrid, playing with such a prestigious football club, getting the chance to go there at the age of 16 is, is by no means a nightmare. It's, it's what kids dream of. But what I will say is that he will feel that his career has stagnated a little bit. He will feel that had he been at a club where he was going to be given more opportunities and actually felt at home rather than being shipped out on loan here, there, and everywhere, he might feel that he would be at a better level now than he is currently. And that's not, you know, to take away from his current level. I think he's fantastic. On the other hand, you know, it would have shaped him. It would have taught him to be resilient mentally um, and I think mentally he's, uh, he's, he's top notch. And I think that, um, you know, Mikel Arteta's talked about it time and time again. He's talked about this, this essentially, you know, he's 22 years old. He's a kid. He's talked about the fact that he has, um, some real mental strength. He has a real desire to succeed. And as I said, at the time when the deal was confirmed, at the time we were linked with Martin Odegaard, I talked about for me the main reason that this felt like it made sense was because this was somebody who would be coming to Arsenal with a point to prove. This wasn't somebody in the twilight years of his career. This wasn't somebody who had become comfortable over the last four or five years and was coming for a a bit of a holiday to North London. Not that you'd come to North London for a holiday, but you know what I mean? Martin Odegaard was coming here with a point to prove. And up until now he has shown uh, or he has proven that point hasn't he? he's been brilliant. Um, Charles Krepp says, we are having to broker a deal with little to no leverage. The only card Arsenal hold is the player's comfortability. So the deal truly rests on Madrid's plans. But look, I guess the way of looking at it is this. Martin Odegaard has gone and performed at other clubs during his Real Madrid tenure. He was very good at Real Sociedad. He was uh, pretty decent when he went on loan to the Netherlands as well. Okay, it's not been at Premier League level. It's not been... Always at the standard of which he's shown at Arsenal. But the fact is that he's been on the books at Real Madrid for a while and never got a look in. I'm not sure, given their other plans, given what their other focuses are going into the transfer window this summer, I'm not sure that Real Madrid will be so impressed by what they've seen from Martin Odegaard at Arsenal that a deal around about 35 to 40 million euros wouldn't tempt them into selling. That's just my personal opinion, Um, but that's how I feel about it. I I, I think there is some leverage, and that leverage is the fact that Real Madrid need money. You've got to remember, as powerful of a football club as Real Madrid are, as Barcelona are, La Liga has been seriously damaged by the coronavirus. The pandemic has had an even bigger, greater impact on the foreign leagues, I would say, than the Premier League, because why? The TV deals, which are still running here in England, of course, because the games are all televised at the moment, are far less significant from a monetary perspective in Spain, in Italy, in Germany, than they are here in the UK. So, if you're looking at Premier League clubs struggling, top-end Premier League clubs struggling, then you can bet your bottom dollar that Real Madrid um, are not in a position to be overly fussy and overly demanding, um, you know, about about. Uh, The the transfer fee that they're going to ask from him, for him. Um, uh, Let's uh, let's and this is another great point as well that Xander raises. Odegaard has played more minutes for Arsenal than he's he has in his entire Madrid career so far. Uh, So he's really found uh, a home here. And fingers crossed, we can get that deal done. Look, there's no point sweating about it. There's no point stressing about it because. It's out of our hands as supporters, but what I will say is enjoy watching Martin Odegaard in an Arsenal shirt for the rest of the season at least, because he is a joy to watch. Um, technically fantastic, physically brilliant, mentally tough. I, I really, really like him. Um, let's uh, let's let's move on and talk a little bit about Mikel Arteta's post-match uh, comments, and then I want to show you guys or go into a couple of bits about Odegaard and the way uh, I think he opens up. Uh, Opposition, and I'm gonna, you know what, I'm gonna focus on the Odegaard bits because they were the best bits, right? We all heard what Mikel Arteta said off the back of the performance. He talked about that first half, half an hour, sorry, giving him nightmares, and I, you know, I completely, um, I completely agree with that. But when talking about Martin Odegaard specifically in his uh, post-match press conference, uh, this is what Mikel had to say on the Norwegian. He said, "I think he had an incredible." performance he was very intelligent the way he reads the game the way he affected the game and again he showed how much he wants to win when everyone and this is the quote for me when everyone else was a little bit trembling he gave us that composure on the ball and he created chance after chance i love talented and creative players that all the time are willing to take that ball and make things happen that are mobile and are also hardworking. he is one of them We have some others with different qualities, but it's true that Martin is now giving us a different level on certain things we didn't have. He said he's been showing from week one in terms of his leadership qualities. When he steps onto that pitch, he always wants the ball. He commands the pressing and he's been really influential. I think we are all happily surprised because he looks shy and humble, but when he steps on that pitch, he is a real character. He loves to play football. So lots of really strong comments from Mikel Arteta that suggest that he is well into the player, will want to sign him. We heard reports a few weeks ago that Mikel Arteta had already gone and made it known to the club's hierarchy that he wanted to pursue a permanent deal uh, for Martin Odegaard. And I know that the structure at Arsenal is a little bit different to our other clubs at the moment. We know that Mikel Arteta is the manager and not the head coach, and we know that he and Edu uh, will oversee the transfer activity. So, You know, that gives me faith and confidence that if the manager is really liking this guy, if it is physically possible, um, if it is possible from a financial standpoint, Arsenal will do it. And I know I've been through the quotes, but there's just a couple that I just want to pick out again. When everybody else was trembling, he gave us that composure on the ball and he created chance after chance. We have others with different qualities, but it's true that Martin is now giving us a different level on certain things we didn't have. So Mikel Arteta recognising that he's given us something very different, recognising his importance, recognising how good he's been of late. And that's why Arsenal fans are absolutely loving this guy, Uh, despite the fact he's only played, what, 12, 13 games in an Arsenal shirt. Um, So, yeah, really, really pleased from what we've seen from Martin Odegaard so far. And uh, fingers crossed that deal does get done. But just to go into a little bit of a more tactical perspective, Um, Because I want to do that. I want to show you guys why I have been so impressed with Martin Odegaard. And obviously, I want to hear from you in the comments as well. Probably a good time to remind you, actually, before I dive into that, uh, to make sure that you do hit the like button if you haven't already. Make sure you do subscribe to the channel if you are new. Make sure uh, you do uh, check out our membership scheme by clicking on the link in the description And that this show is kindly sponsored by Manscaped. Uh, So if your nether regions are in need of some tender loving care, head over to manscaped.com and you can enter our discount code, which is rolling across the bottom of the screen. And it's in the description. It's 90MIN20. That's 90MIN20. And you'll receive not just uh, free shipping on your order, but 20% off as well. Uh, and you can stand to save a significant amount of money on any of their products if you've got any um uh you know any birthdays any celebrations if you need to buy gifts for anyone coming up Ma- i find manscaped is a is a great uh route to go down because it's light-hearted but it's also got a very uh real purpose as well uh so uh yeah check it out check it out um right let's go over to um Let's go over to the, the tactics board, the famous uh, tactics board. I get a lot of stick actually for this tactics board on social media sometimes, but I love it because it allows me to demonstrate things that I want to demonstrate that I maybe uh, wouldn't be able to do uh, without it. So let me just make that full screen. So you can see here, this is how Arsenal lined up yesterday. We went for it uh, on the review show, but it was Leno in goal, Chambers, Louise, Marie, Tierney, Partey and Xhaka were the midfield pivot, Odegaard was in the number 10 position. Aubameyang actually started from the right. Saka started from the left and Lacazette led the line. Um, let's uh, le- let's have a look at how West Ham lined up. And I'm not going to name the individual players, right? Because it's West Ham and we don't really care, uh, to be quite honest. But um, they lined up it. They played in what looks like a 4-2-3-1. And that's what they've been playing with for pretty much all season. Um, you know, they use. The likes of Lingard, Ben Rama, Jared Bowen. Um, and they can all rotate those three. They can all be very fluid in that that sort of three behind Mikhail Antonio up front. Um, but what I think is a key feature of what West Ham United do is, is this, right? When they're back defending, Thomas Suchek, who gets into forward attacking positions so frequently, he's their top scorer in the Premier League, chipped in with another goal yesterday. He sits and drops, doesn't he, and protects that back four, as does Declan Rice, because what West Ham United want you to do, and I'll use the Arsenal players, uh, I'll put them in their positions to demonstrate this, what they want you to do is they want to force you wide. They want to get you in the wide areas. You'll see the fullbacks tuck in when they're defending and you'll see those two, Suchek and Rice, uh, you know, create a protective screen. And and the the idea is to stop you breaching them through the middle. You can have the ball out on the left wing. You can have the ball out on the right wing. And they will back every day of the week, Issa Diop and and, um, Craig Dawson, to drop deep, almost in line with their penalty spot, and deal with the crossing threat uh, because that's what they're comfortable in doing. They don't want to be run at. They don't want somebody with trickery and guile in and amongst them. West Ham create this really uh, impressive screen and what you end up seeing as well because they work so hard is you see their fullbacks, uh, sorry, their wingers uh, drop back as well and what you get from David Moyes' side out of possession is very much two banks of four. Old school, traditional David Moyes, um, that's the way he likes to play. Two narrow banks of four. That's how West Ham defend um, certain situations. But what Martin Odegaard did brilliantly was even when faced with a defensive screen uh, of two defensive midfielders and two centre-backs in the central areas, he still made things happen for me. And that was what was most impressive. And I'm talking about this area here, uh, the area that I've highlighted. That is Martin Odegaard's domain. That is where he likes to operate. And he does it so brilliantly. Now, to have the composure to have the touch, to be able to receive the ball in those kind of areas and know that you're going to be closed down by one, maybe even two defensive midfielders. Know that even if you manage to escape their attentions and skip beyond them and get onto the the centre-backs, you've got another line of defence to breach. I think it takes outstanding technical ability and confidence to demand the ball in that area all the time. We've seen it far too much over the last... Twelve months or so, where Arsenal have been unable to breach teams that way because they haven't had a player who has that ability or that confidence or that desire uh, to to pick up the ball in those areas, and we've been forced out to the wide positions. It's why, prior to Martin Odegaard's arrival at Arsenal, we were forever seeing the Gunners throw balls into the penalty box uh, to no avail. We were constantly seeing Kieran Tierney get forward on the outside of the the player playing from the left. We were constantly seeing Bellerin or whoever it was doing that as well. And that's not to say we didn't do that yesterday because Callum Chambers got forward, didn't he, very frequently and got two assists. You know, the first ball into the box where he picked out Lacazette and the second one, of course, which was deflected into the goal. Uh, by Craig Dawson. But having Martin Odegaard in that team gives us options now. We don't have to just play in one way. It's not just about the overloads in the wide areas. It's about uh, having options and having alternatives and finding different ways to break people down. And with Odegaard in the side, even more so than with, em- with Mill Smith-Rowe in the side, and that's not to take anything away from Emil Smith-Rowe. I said it at the time. I felt that Martin Odegaard, when we signed him, was going to be at a slightly better level. Um, he's more experienced uh, and, and you know, you, you're starting to see that now. Uh, but I just think that Odegaard gives us a, uh, an ability to change it up, to play different ways. And I love that even if he's not going to get involved in the play, even if he's not going to receive the ball, just the, the sheer threat of him and the fact that people have watched this guy now uh, for a few months in the Premier League and gone, you know what, this lad is a player. It, it diverts attention from those wide areas, doesn't it? it? It it sucks people in. And when we do get in the wide areas, you'll often see that people like Lacazette, for example, who just check their runs back, uh, will find a little bit more space because those players are reluctant to drop in and leave Martin Odegaard alone. So I think he just adds a completely different dimension into our team. And what I also um, love about Martin Odegaard, and I'm going to try, and um, I wish there was a way of like resetting this, but I'm not, I'm still not a, a complete expert on using this thing. Uh, if I just try to put the Arsenal players uh, back into shape, there was an instance in the second half. In fact, it was the second goal where Callum Chambers got down the right-hand side and and Aubameyang was on the left by this point. Saka was playing on the right. I didn't think Saka had a great game, but, um, you know, that's a, that's another subject for another day. But when Saka was back defending, Martin Odegaard was, had the presence of mind to drop into a position like this right, just slightly to the right of centre. And when he receives the ball in that position, he receives it with the view to driving inside. He receives it with a view to getting to to attacking that penalty spot. And with Martin Odegaard, what I love about him is he's always looking uh, to hit the centre of the goal. You know, when he receives the ball, that's his aim. If he can pick out a different pass, if he can find someone else in a better position then so be it and he will do it you know he's not reluctant to do that but in Odegaard doing that in Odegaard stepping in field when he received that ball he sucked in uh the West Ham players who were trying to maintain that narrow back four uh the second bank of four as well they were trying to maintain two banks of four but with Martin Odegaard stepping inside what he did was he drew West Ham too narrow and that was a problem for them because when Callum Chambers Uh, broke forward down the right-hand side, Martin Odegaard played a delicious reverse pass. It was very cleverly executed, very cleverly disguised. But even having dragged everybody in field, and it looked as though he only had one thing on his mind, perhaps he'd have played the ball out to the left. Actually, Martin Odegaard was fully 100% aware of the run that Callum Chambers had made. And that smart reverse pass, that smart disguised reverse pass is what picked out Callum Chambers. And when he put that great delivery into the penalty area, any touch on that was going to see it hit the back of the net. And unfortunately for West Ham and for Craig Dawson, it was him uh, that got that touch. So there's just a couple of points on, on Martin Odegaard's game and the fact that I think he just gives us another element to our attack. He adds another dimension because he does occupy that central space and even under immense pressure, He is able to retain possession for us. Why? Because he's energetic enough, because he's technically good enough, because he's confident enough to turn around and and dribble past someone and spin away from someone. He's got that awareness of what's going on around him all the time. It is so difficult to receive the ball in that kind of position when a team are packed out at the back the way West Ham were at certain points in the game yesterday and retain possession. But if you can retain possession, you are attracting so much attention to yourself that you will, if you have the presence of mind and the ability to execute, you will be able to pick out players in different positions, create overloads and cause goal scoring, uh, create, sorry, goal scoring opportunities. And he did that yesterday time and time again. A few people have compared him to Mesa Erzil, and I think you can compare him to Peak Mesa Urzil, right? But we weren't seeing this from Mesa Ozil in the latter stages of his Arsenal career with any consistency. But aside from the fact that they're both technically brilliant, they've both got a wand of a left foot, they both see passes that other people wouldn't see. It's Martin Odegaard's attitude and physical attributes that set him aside from Mesa Urzil right now, that make him the right option. Um, you know that that the make him the right option for Mikel Arteta and and make him the ideal number ten for somebody like Mikel Arteta because he fits into the overall and wider game plan and he isn't just a luxury player. Uh, Ekene, he said yesterday. I didn't read out his comments, so I'm going to read out this comment. He says, "Harry, can you now see why you Ozil's why you defending Ozil?" Uh, let me, let me start again. Harry, can you now see why your Ozil defence is taking the piss out of your listener? Please, can you stop doing that? No, because my Ozil defence at the time was based around the fact that we didn't have a number 10 in the side. Prior to the emergence of Emile Smith-Rowe, who didn't get a look in uh, for a number of reasons, partly because he he wasn't selected and partly because he was injured at times, M- Emil Smith-Rowe wasn't on the scene under Mikel Arteta until Christmas. And Leading up to Christmas, Arsenal couldn't create a chance to save their lives. And they had their most creative player. And you could argue that Martin Odegaard is of a much higher level. And Martin Odegaard is an upgrade on Ozil currently. And I'd agree with that. But at the time, we only had Mesut Ozil. And instead of trying to play with the number 10 and the system that Mikel Arteta clearly now feels is the right one, he froze Mesut Ozil out completely and played without a number 10 and played with a back five. So at the time, the defence of Mesut Ozil and why I felt that he should at the very least have been in the squad was fully justified. And I won't go back on that because it was justified. Things have changed now. Emil Smith-Rowe has emerged. Arsenal's system has changed. Mikel Arteta was almost forced into changing that system because of a lack of creativity. Now Odegaard's at the club. You won't catch me saying that Mesut Ozil should have been playing ahead of him but when we had nobody else messer Ozil was an option an option that we chose to overlook for whatever reason but it wasn't uh, taking the piss out of the listeners to have that opinion that was my opinion at the time and even in hindsight it was still in my opinion the right view to take to take at that point um so no i'm not um i'm not going to go back on um i'm not going to go back on um on on that viewpoint, because at the time it was absolutely justified, it's still justified now in my view. If you disagree, that's absolutely fine. But to say it's taking the piss out of the listeners, I I don't think um I don't think that's fair because the this channel is built on me sharing my views on the Arsenal and exchanging those views with you guys and having discussion in the chat. So to suggest that it's taking the piss out of you uh is is sorry a little bit over the top in my opinion. Uh, Vinesh says. Um, Harry, what's your opinion on Arteta deploying a 4-3-3 for the first time in his managerial career? Um, As I've already kind of touched on, I I do feel like it was was stumbled upon. I do feel like he got to the point where we were so poorly, uh, so poor, sorry, from a creative standpoint that he kind of had to do something uh, to change that. And he did. And it worked. Um, and the performances have been on an upward trajectory for the most part ever since then. Of course, there have been dips. Of course, there have been disappointing displays, disappointing results. We all know that. Um, but I I do think this is the way. I don't think it is a 4-3-3, Vinesh. I think it's a 4-2-3-1. Um, and I think it will only, it could become a 4-3-3 maybe later on. But I think with Thomas Partey and Granite Xhaka operating like a double pivot, I don't think it's a four-three-three. I think it's a four-two-three-one. Um, that's the, that. That's my view. Uh, SP says I feel Odegaard is like Ozil plus defending. Um, what do you think? Yeah, uh, that's it. You know, look, let's um, let's not let's not try and just because of the way he left the club and because he's gone, let's not take away from the fact that Ozil technically was a fucking genius because he was um, one of the best number tens of his generation. But as I've already touched upon, he doesn't bring you the physical side of the game that Mikel Arteta regards as a non-negotiable. He doesn't bring you pressing. He doesn't work hard. He doesn't track back. He's a luxury player. And Messer Ozil is the mould of number 10 that we were maybe seeing five, six years ago, where I agree that the number 10 position is a little, uh, sorry, I agree that the number 10 position is a little bit different to what it was maybe four or five years ago, but it isn't dead uh, in my opinion. Right. Let's get your questions in the live chat. Um, Got around about 10 minutes to go. Uh, So get your questions in. I'll come to as many of those as I possibly can. um, Between now and the end of the show. And and my apologies, actually, because I misunderstood uh, Vinesh's question uh, where he said about the 4-3-3. He's talking about after the Emil Smith-Rowe substitution. My apologies. I didn't pick that up um, initially. I actually think that that didn't work. Um, And I actually think Arsenal had a better chance of winning the game had we stayed the way we were. Um, Touched on it on the review show yesterday. I feel like sometimes in your desperation to score a goal by substituting midfielders who are so key to you winning the ball back and controlling a certain area of the pitch, I think that actually you lose something and you lose the control of the game. And I do think that was the case yesterday. I, I think it was... Mikel Arteta desperately trying to get a goal and look at the end of the day we nicked the goal and that's great but I do think that we actually lost a little bit in terms of our dominance at that point when, when Granit Xhaka went off um so apologies because I, I mistook your question I thought you were talking about uh the initial setup I didn't realize you meant after the uh substitution um but yeah, after the substitution, there was a change. There was a shift to a 4-3-3. And me personally, I wasn't too keen on it. Although I can't really go in on Mikel Arteta off the back of that because ultimately we got the result, uh, didn't we? So it's happy days uh, for everyone involved. But I'm, I'm not sure that, that that move actually enhanced us. I thought we probably would have scored that goal anyway because we were so dominant uh, at that point. But yeah, uh, interesting to see it. And it's a different option, isn't it? Um, Jay Dubia says, uh, What do you think about Liverpool sniffing around Odegaard? Look, it's natural, isn't it? That the better he performs, the more clubs are going to be interested, the more radars he's going to appear on. But I think the fact that he's already at Arsenal, he's very happy at Arsenal, I think stands us in very good stead. We also have a pretty good relationship with Real Madrid as well. Fingers crossed that all of that combined is enough uh, to get the deal over the line. Uh, Adam Chisholm says, uh, Why do you think it took so long for Ober to be subbed? I said it on the watch along. I said it on the. Um, the reaction show, I probably felt that that substitution actually happened 15 minutes too late. Now, I get that you want to keep him on for as long as possible because despite his faults, despite the criticism that's come his way of late, I think we can all agree that Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang is still probably Arsenal's biggest goal threat. Uh, So I get the need to or the, the wanting to leave him on. And I actually think had as much as Mikel Arteta says that the situation in the North London Derby has been brushed under the carpet and dealt with and moved on from, I actually think that had um, had uh, had Pierre Emerick Aubameyang not done that, I don't think he gets substituted in a game like yesterday's at a time when we're chasing a goal. But I think that Mikel Arteta has gone well. All of that is still in my mind, despite him saying it isn't. And he's gone, well, you're not playing very well today. So, sorry, mate. See you later. Um, And and I actually like that he made that substitution. I thought it showed balls. Um, Aubameyang didn't look too pleased about it. Uh, But then, of course, the goal went in when he was still making his way around the pitch and he he jumped into the celebrations. Um, But I thought it showed balls and I thought it showed stomach uh, from Mikel Arteta to to make that change at a time when Arsenal were chasing the goal. Because, look, had we not got that goal, you can... You can be sure there'd have been some Arsenal fans out there who went, well, why'd you take off a Bamiyang? Um, but yeah, I thought it was the right decision. Me personally, I'd have made it 10, 15 minutes earlier for sure. Uh, big thank you to uh, Mark Neighbor for your very, very kind super chat donation. Thank you so much. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you for supporting the content. He says Odegaard, Oba, Laka, Emil Smith Rose, Sacker, Martinelli, Baligan, William, Pepe. They cannot all play and people forget that. It's nine players for three or four positions fighting for places, but it is now a top-heavy for a squad of 25. Interesting point. Um, I take the point on board because I've I've beaten the drum about Martinelli where I've gone, you can moan that he's not playing as much as you'd like, but there is a lot of competition in those areas at the moment. So I completely agree with you. We are top-heavy in those positions um, and I think, We're actually quite well stocked in defence as well. I think where we're light is in the midfield. Um, You know, beyond Xhaka and Partey, you're looking at Sabayos, who who isn't going to be here next season. And you're looking at Mohamed Elneny, who I personally don't think um, is good enough. Uh, Let me pick out a couple more bits just because we're a little bit uh, pushed for time. Um, Um, Let me see. Let me see. Jay Dubia says, would you swap over plus a little bit of cash for Odegaard? I, if, I, if we're going to move over on, then I would want to get some money in, some significant money in for him. I think we still can. Um, but yeah, um, I, I get why people are saying that. I absolutely love Martin Odegaard and I'd love to see him sign. I'm just um, I'm a little bit. I feel like we could still get 25, 30 million for Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang and I'd probably rather do that. And then we use that money to strengthen in that area. um, And I think that we still need to be looking at um, at signing Martin Odegaard regardless of that. Um, In an ideal world, no, I'd rather they were separate deals if Aubameyang has to leave. Look, if Aubameyang can sort himself out, uh, start converting some of those chances, start showing the right attitude, which for me is the most important thing right now as the club captain, then I'm happy for him to stay. All I've been saying over the last few weeks and I've, and again, you know, there's been a lot of criticism for that is I would consider it if the right money was on the table and, and I stick by that. Uh, let's go to this one from Nicholas. He says, Harry, how are you doing? He says, could it be the case that Arteta is using players in blocks of time, i.e. holding Gabriel Willian, they are being used sparingly, wouldn't you agree? Yeah, it's a good point. Uh, you seem to see players get given runs in the team uh three or four weeks and then given an a rest, then taken out the fire line, firing line, and then maybe you see someone else coming for a period. It's interesting. The way he's rotating the squad is interesting. But what I'll always say, um, what I'll always say is that we do not have the full picture. Uh, when it comes to the condition of these players, when it comes to their recovery off the back of certain games, when it comes to how they train during the week, and so sometimes some of these decisions will lead to us raising an eyebrow or two, but I think we've just got to trust in the manager on that when it comes to the the physical side of it and the medical side of it, I don't know about you guys, but I'm definitely not a doctor I'm definitely not a physiotherapist, I'm definitely not someone in the knowing that department. Um, and there will be data used by the club's medical staff, um, that gives them indications of where players are more likely to break down, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and I think that they'll use that and that will form a lot of, uh, the, well, that will form the basis of a lot of the decisions that Mikel Arteta makes. We might not agree with all of them. And in an ideal world, we'd like to have our best players fit and available every single time, but that's not reality. Um, especially in a season like this one. Right, going to have to leave it there because I need to get back to work. But a big thank you to every single one of you for tuning in. Apologies if I didn't get around to answering one of your questions. If you've got a question, put it in the comments section. After the stream ends, and I will come to it and I will reply to it uh, in written form. So get involved uh, in the comments section. If I've missed your questions, I'd love to pick them up. Don't forget the show is sponsored by manscaped.com. Enter your discount code 90min20 to get 20% off of your order plus free shipping make sure you smash the like button if you haven't done so already. There's over 260 of you watching us on YouTube alone right now. So there's no reason why we shouldn't have at least 100 likes by the time the outro uh, plays. So uh, thank you all so much again for your continued support. If you want to become a member, you can do so by clicking the link in the description. I'll be back later on today for a second show. Stay tuned for that also the gas tank is back at 4 10 p.m uk time you can chat uh, you can catch that on Ninety min's youtube channel and catch me on the same old arsenal tonight from seven busy busy day but it always is on a monday but i wouldn't have it any other way until next time take care of yourselves and uh, stay safe cheers you're listening to the chronicles of aguna the arsenal podcast